Hi, I'm Amanda Pashuko. This is She Love. Hello, it's Davida. I'm Gina Lovato. Hey, it's Anna Dunn. I'm Caitlin Bailey. This is Melissa Novak. It's Sean Jacobson. Hey, it's Bethany Nicole. And welcome to Sex Party. And welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. <laughs> sex Party with your host, Dustin Ripka. Hello and welcome to Sex Party. I'm your host, Dustin Ribka, and on this episode, you're going to meet Gina Lovato, the love addict coach. Gina uh, is kind of a badass. She's been through a ton, and she's not afraid to incorporate that into her coaching. Uh, We get into, Gina introduces us for the first time on this show to attachment styles, which is kind of a mind bender. You're going to find out what attachment style I am. Um, brace for that. And uh, yeah, I felt a connection to Gina. And she's just insanely brave. And like I said, a fucking badass. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Gina Lovato. This week's conversation. conversation. Gina Lovato, the love addict coach. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Are you really good though? Or are you just saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, I honestly, I had a hard week. Yeah. Um, I was like traveling with my partner for like 14 days. Um, and I am someone that like, I need to eat. I need to sleep. I need to work out. Like I'm, I'm in 12 step programs. So like I have to go to my meetings. Um, so I, it's hard for me when I when I'm traveling because I get really disconnected. So I'm I'm sort of like recuperating. This is actually my my second day back in the office. Oh, wow. So that's the that's the real answer to your question. Second day back in the office, and you have to deal with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So for the audience, you know, I've been researching you the last couple of days, which has been great um, to try to like get inside your head a little bit. Um, in a good way. Um, but for the audience, like intro yourself and tell a little bit about who you are and your and your story. Yeah, so I am a dating and relationship coach. Um, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, but I work with people on Zoom. Uh, I also do classes. I have a, a mindful dating course online, uh, which is geared towards women, but men and women, non-binary, anyone can take it. It's useful to everyone. I just sort of fall into the trap of marketing to women a lot. Um, And then a healthy relationship class, which is live on Zoom that I, uh, that's focused on people that are in relationships, maybe people that are struggling. A lot of times we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but uh, one person has an anxious attachment style. One person has an avoidant attachment style and, you know, they're, they're clashing because those two types uh, don't always work well together. So, um, I do that. I work one-on-one with people. I have people drop in. I had someone just today coming in and talking about their situation. Um, Sometimes people want to work long-term if they think they have, uh, they're struggling with anxious attachment, if they know they have patterns. Uh, Sometimes people identify as love addicts. I identify as a love addict uh, working with those people. And also um, content, content creation is a, is a really big part of what I do. And I hopefully, hopefully, uh, helps people that maybe can't really afford to work one-on-one with someone, uh, at the moment. Right. So, um, 
how did you how did you become not only uh, a coach but like the love addict coach like what what brought you to um not only decide but like what sort of things happened to you what was your experience with becoming this this person that you are today yeah so you know part of it was a few years ago i i was not a coach i didn't want to be a coach uh i was trying to be an actress for a really long time actress writer you know everything that comes with living in la uh and with that is waiting tables i waited tables for about 10 years um and in my personal life uh I got sober. I got sober in AA. Sobriety is a big part of my healing journey. I'm a big 12 step, big 12 stepper. And, uh, and eventually because of the drama I had in my relationship, I ended up with a, um, a dating and relationship coach and, uh, sort of worked on my healing in that area. Um, still was not interested in being a coach, but basically what happened was I, I had a really big transformation and, you know, I'll be honest with you. This was like over, over years. It wasn't something that happened overnight. It wasn't something that happened in months. It was a long drawn out process for me. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, about two years ago, I got into a healthy relationship and I, it was a brand new experience for me. And it was like magic. I was like, Oh, okay. I I've healed enough to, uh, to have a new experience. Um, I'm someone that has had a lot of, I have a history of, of really toxic, dramatic, chaotic relationships. And so basically what happened was I I had a lot of friends who, who, uh, knew me, knew me for a long time, knew my history, knew that I had a coach, you know, were sort of following me on my journey of working with someone, coaching, therapy, 12-step programs. And the next thing I know, all of my friends are calling me for support, um, you know, which has its downsides often. But there was part of me that was like, you know what? Um, I, I have had a really cool transformation. And I do think that I can help people with this stuff because I've been in really, really dark places and I've gotten out of it. I've gotten through it, uh, you know, one day at a time. And, and that was how I sort of fell into coaching was, um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to continue acting and writing. And, um, I certainly didn't want to wait tables anymore. And I thought, you know what, they're like, why don't I look into coaching? Why don't I look into some coaching programs don't really want to go be a therapist. Um, and that was sort of how I, how I got into coaching. Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind, I'd like to dive a little bit into the toxic relationships that you had and like the, the, the bad experiences because, and and I'm sure like some part of you agrees that, um, that's, I mean, first of all, we all have those. And personally, like I, I think, I don't know, that stuff has really defined me and how I am now. So I'm sure with what you do, that that was like lasting impression. So like if you you can kind of jump into like and, and even give some examples of some crazy things that have happened to you and how that then helps sort of form like how you see things now as a coach. Totally. So this goes back really far for me. Um, And I didn't really know that until I started um, reflecting with a coach. So, you know, 
it's part of the crazy transformational experience is that my life just seemed normal, right? I, I was drinking a lot and my relationships were chaotic and that was just normal life for me. I didn't know anything differently. I didn't know anything different. And uh, a lot of times the people I was surrounded by were living really similar lives, right? right? Like birds of a feather flock together. So I didn't really have any outside things to reflect. It was just, this is life. So once I got a coach and I started reflecting, I started realizing, um, you know, I, <laughs> um, I had a boyfriend when I was six years old. I remember in the first grade, um, kissing someone at daycare. Mm. Like I remember ki like having a boyfriend in the first grade and he was a year older than me. And I, I was living in Alabama with my mom for a very short amount of time. And I remember he called the house and my mom was like, why is the boy <laughs> calling the house? You're, you're six years old. Right. So, um, it, it, that just like is the first recollection I have of like, Oh, that's a little weird. Right. Mm. Like I'm six years old and I, I'm having a boyfriend right. that's calling me on the phone. <sighs> so, you know, just inappropriate, like kind of sad that that was like my, that was something that was happening when I was six. Um, so that's one of the first things. And then junior high elementary school, it sort of manifested as obsessing over people. I had a lot of crushes. Every week was a different guy. Like to this day, I can name you every guy I had a crush on in the fifth grade. Like that is just like in my brain. Um, I was always flirting. I was always getting in trouble for talking in, in class. And usually it was like to whoever boy I had a crush on, uh, <laughs> fantasy was a big part of it for me um i just saw moulin rouge on broadway in new york this past weekend um and that was like a full circle moment for me because you know when i was in high school i was part of the drama club and that was like our movie right like moulin rouge and it's it's the most like dramatic romantic like <sighs> uh impossible love story right yeah. and that was my idea of love a lot of my ideas of love were um, oh, it's hard and you don't get to be with the person you want to be with and, and this longingness, right? Like I associated longing with love, um, you know, which could tell you a lot of about, right. about me and what my ideas of love were really early on. So uh, by the time I got to my 20s, right, I was actually in relationships. So, you know, I, I didn't really have any serious relationships until I was probably like 19, 20 years old. Um, and that was when things started getting really toxic, right? I'm drinking. So that's a big part of it. Um, you know, there was some physical altercations that happened in one of my relationships where I was, you know, with someone for three years. So that's a part of my story. Um, and then I, I started picking people that also drink like me. So, um, sorry, I'm answering your question very long. No, I love it. But, I think um, it's good. I, uh, you know, in my, in my mid to late twenties, the two significant people I was in a relationship with were active drinkers and I was sober. So being a sober person, you know, going to AA meetings and not understanding why the person I'm dating is struggling with alcohol and can't get sober. So um, a lot of unavailability, a lot of pain, and, you know, just not being able to figure it out. I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. I don't know how to get one, right? So 
you asked for some examples. Yeah. You, my classic example is the, um, you know, being with someone that's, that's alcoholic, that's going out to a bar that's out at three o'clock in the morning. And I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're drunk. I don't know if they're sleeping with someone else, right. Calling them a thousand times. Um, and then having them on for the phone for a second and then we're fighting and then they block me. And then I'm, I'm thinking about driving by their house, right? Like those sort of intense moments. Um, I also share, I don't know if I shared completely this story, but I'll share it with you because sure. it seems like you're, you're down to get into the Yeah, let's gritty. do it. <laughs> um, my most recent ex, this was, you know, probably like two and a half, three years ago already. Um, sort of the last kablam where I was like, <laughs> I'm done with this shit, you know, uh. was, um, I was dating someone that I worked with who, um, had a baby mama, this person, they had a child, the child was about four years old and, you know, probably about, first of all, I worked with this person. Okay. So red flag number one mm. was this person was kind of a superior to me, um, had told me, me and the mom are done. There's nothing between us. We co-parent. And I said, okay, I believe you. Um, probably about like a month into our relationship, maybe, maybe three, I get an email from baby mama mm. that says, I don't know what you think you are, but, uh, we're still together. And, uh, she actually knew really personal things about me that only he could have told her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and that just got worse. You know, there were nights where, you know, I was awake at three o'clock in the morning, emailing this person, trying to figure out like uh, what's going on. Right. And just being in this really dark place of, um, is the person I'm with lying to me, uh, and not being able to get out. Right. right. Like wanting wanting it to resolve itself, wanting to still be in that relationship, wanting her to disappear, which was not going to happen, <laughs> you know? So yeah, things like that got pretty dark. So was there in, in previous relationships, in addition to that one, was it, was it like a pattern that you saw, like, and you chose to like maybe ignore for a while? Like we all do like, Oh, you know, we, everybody makes excuses for themselves, but they also make excuses for their partner, obviously, because it's like this thing, this narrative you want to keep telling yourself. So was it, it wasn't just obviously one bad relationship. It was probably numerous bad relationships. And with me, like, I couldn't even, like, I have a problem even classifying. Was that a relationship? Was that in, in my personal? So like, fr from your perspective, like, was it just a lot of, just stuff that you're like, wow, I can't really sweep this under the, like, there's so much stuff under the rug. Like I'm falling down like oh, every day or whatever. And did it just keep kind of popping up and you just were like, okay, that's it. Like I have to do something or was it, was there, were there moments of happiness in between there that were short lived or. Yeah. You know, I think for me, what it looks like is the beginning of those relationships are always really <sighs> sort of high and intense. Um, so I talk a lot about that. I, you know, like I said, I have that whole course about dating. And so a lot of the times these things start off hot and heavy. And I think that I've, you know, found the perfect person or, you know, 
the second sort of big X that I was talking to you about, like I thought I had figured it out because I had done therapy and I had done a lot of work on myself and I had known that person for a couple of years at that point, or I thought I had known them. So a lot of times, it, I think that's part of the, the hard part was that I, um, I didn't have a strong vetting process yet to figure out how to not get into those situations. Like I just naturally gravitate towards those things, which was why I needed a coach and someone to be like, Hey, okay, so let's figure out some things that, um, might indicate that this is not the best thing, right? Like, look, people probably meet people that they work with and they, they live happily ever after. And that's not an issue for them. Right. But it's an issue for me. I have a pattern of dating people that I work with, right? And guess what? It's never ended well. And guess what? <laughs> I've had to quit two jobs. Oh, yeah. And I put my I put my financial situations in in trouble because I choose to date people that I work with, right? So I had to get to a point, like you said, where I was like, I'm not, I cannot date someone I work with. I just can't. Um so yeah. And, and it's different for everyone, right? right? Like someone might not have that exact pattern, but they might, um, I don't know, maybe they have a pattern of meeting people at bars and then they become, they're always alcoholics, right? Things like that. Right. So when you told yourself like, okay, that's it. I'm not fucking dating anybody at work anymore. And then you go to try to go to work, right? Did it become even harder? Were you like, oh God, Brian, or what? Like, was it like this thing where your brain does that? you can't have it. So you want it more. Was there some of that? Maybe at first. Um, so the second person that I was telling you about with the baby mama, mm. um, I actually was trying to enforce that rule before I dated that person. Mm. Like I already, I already had, you know, a coach telling me, um, not a good idea, but I had to go and do it. I wasn't done yet. Right. I had to have like my last sort of her, like my last, um, moment of really learning that for myself. Yeah. So I, I'm a true believer that yes, we can have a coach and we can have someone like offering suggestions, but a lot of times we have to do what we're going to do anyway. Um, and then, you know, when that sort of blew up in my face, then I had this moment of like, okay, I think this person is right. <laughs> right. I think like, <laughs> it's not going to work out for me anymore. Uh, to date people I work with. And then I come to that conclusion sort of on my own. Yeah. So, and that's like insanely uh, powerful because I feel like people need to not like beat themselves up about the things that they go, Oh, I'm so stupid. I keep dating like, you know, sailors. I have no idea why I said that or what, whatever their thing is. I got to <laughs> stop dating, you know, uh, tech entrepreneur or whatever your thing is, or guys that, you know, like to race on the weekends or like, well, I mean, whatever, right? Like it's easy to say, I'm so stupid. I always fall for the bad bo or whatever. But at the same time, I feel like those are your edges, right? Those are the things that define you. So I think it's important not to like, just be like, I'm a fucking idiot. And just, you know, I need to stop completely. I feel like you need to take a look at that um and like all of the things that you're not proud of with yourself and like it's not easy to do um and sort of like uh i don't know like what what a word would be but like 
accepted as a part of who you are in order to kind of like live with it, be friends with it, move on from it sort of, sort of thing. So that's what sort of, um, in researching you, like really drew me to you in terms of like, you know, you see these coaches, um, and, and I'm not saying anything about their life experiences, but a lot of them that I've come across just in for the show and, and booking people on the show, it seems like they don't bring the life experience with it. And they're like, I wrote this book. I did this. You should listen to me. And that's great. Right. But with you, I feel like, Hey, this is real. And I know it cause I lived it and I'm not coming to it from a place of like, I'm up here. You're down here. I'm going to condescend. You're coming to it from a place like I've had those, those, um, hatchets in my heart. I've had those arrows in my back and I've had to pull every single one of them out. And now I'm going to show you that it can be done too. And it's like a real life experience. That's what like lit, like lit up my excitement to talk to you is that you weren't like, it wasn't a condescension thing. It wasn't, it was like a real thing. Was there a moment that being said, where you realize like, well, first of all, I think like quickly, I'm sure you have a quick definition for it. Like what is a love addict and how did you know? At what moment did you know? This is probably the most annoying question. You probably get this all the time. What's a, how do I know if I'm a, like, but for you, um, what is it and how did you know? What was the moment that told you like, shit, I'm, I'm addicted? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for saying all of that uh, about my sort of yeah, for sure. coaching, yeah. uh, you know, process and where I come from. That was really like kind for me to hear. So thank you for oh, saying absolutely. that. Um, yeah. So my general definition of addiction, I'm not an addiction specialist. I speak from my own experience, um, is anytime I feel like I've lost my power of choice. So, you know, it's funny. I'm pretty sure like the, um, I can't think of the name of the book, but basically the diagnoses book that like therapists use, I'm pretty sure like alcoholism is not in it. Right. So like you can be diagnosed with like cirrhosis of the liver. Right. But everyone sort of has to, to come to their own conclusion of like, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a love addict. And so my, my definition is when I have lost my power of choice, there's kind of this invisible line where, um, I'm watching myself doing things and I feel like I don't, um, you know, like the example would be, I know I shouldn't be driving to this person's house to see if they're home. Right. Like, but here I am in the car driving there, uh, watching myself sort of in third person. Mm. So that's my sort of definition is I don't have my power of choice in the matter. Um, it feels as if there's something else that's sort of like taken over. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be in this on and off relationship, but I'm powerless. I just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, and, and you, you totally just, just did it again, like in terms of bringing something different to it. Um, it, it I feel like, you know, and again, I'm not calling anyone a liar or saying that doesn't work, but your way of doing things um, and, and what brought you to this, you said right off, off the rip, like, I'm not an addiction specialist, but for me in my life experience. So that's like, that's something that I think is just light years above and beyond some of the other advice that's out there, not saying it's bad advice. Um, 
and I'm, you know, everyone has their own way, but for you to kind of like own it and be like, I own it. And now I'm going to, and it resonates with me personally because I am so unqualified to be doing this show on sex and relationships. Like it's, it's unreal, but I'm still going to do it because I have questions and questions and I have more questions and I just, I like connecting with people and, and, you know, I, I like to like kind of kick up a little, a little dust and see what, what sort of comes out of it. Cause I think that's a, a, a so you like being like, listen, like, this is what I know. Boom. And that, that's like, it's, it, it's so, um, undervalued. It's like, you know, people nowadays, it's, you don't ask to see the dating coaches credentials. What are your relationships? Oh, that's personal. You know what I mean? Like, so with you, you kind of bring this sort of like transparency to it. So it's amazing. And, um, you know, talk about your coaching a little bit, like what, what are some things that you sort of, um, learn from it right away or like what, you know, what kind of services do you offer? How did you like arrive at wanting to offer those things? Yeah. So, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you were just saying, this is actually, you know, what I learned from AA is like, um, AA has a book, they call it the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And sort of like the foundation of that book is like, um, like your greatest weakness or darkness can be your power. Right. And that's sort of what I've built my coaching business around is like you said, I, am I in a coaching program? Yes. But do I have a, you know, bachelor's or master's or doctorate in psychology? No. You know, do I have a license? No, I don't. I've chosen not to do those things at least at this point in time. Right. Um, and, and sometimes that doesn't sit well with people. I get a lot of shit on, on TikTok. I'm actually sort of taking a like mental <sighs> social media break um, because, because I am a sensitive person and that stuff affects me. And I, I totally internalize that. And, you know, I think it's good that I kind of sit there and have to be like, am I like, am I a crazy <laughs> scam artist? You know what I mean? Um, someone call you a scam artist, a crazy scam artist. I, I've had. Yeah. So I was, I sell my classes on lives. Like I do a free class on live, but I say like, if you're resonating with this, like, here's the link, go to take this class. Right. Um, and part of it is a coach, which I'm learning is sales, right. Which I'm not crazy right, about, but terrible. if I want to yeah. earn, I have to do that. Yeah. So no, I've totally had people come on my lives and be like, don't buy this person's class. And they've never taken my class. They don't know who I am. This is the first time they've ever been on this live, but but you know, it, it looks, it can look that way because if you, I'm thinking of, I don't remember what that guy's name is, but the YouTube guy that's like, I'm in my house. This is my, oh, this is my car. All of them. Yeah. It's all of them. My Ferrari with my two girlfriends and my seven dogs and like, dude, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Right. <laughs> right. So that, you know, uh, that's, coaches can, can get a bad rap for the, from that. You know what I mean? And, and I certainly don't want to be associated with that in any way. Cause like you said, I, um, the reason why I do what I do is because I've been there and I want to help people. And, um, you know, I really do encourage everyone to, to go to therapy and make sure that you're getting like help that you need. But, um, like I had said from AA, a lot of my growth has come from people who said, Hey, I've been there. This is what I did. 
like maybe try it and see if that works for you. Right. And, and that was sort of how my, my coach worked with me. And that worked for me because, um, I'm not a tough love. I don't handle tough love. Well, <sighs> I don't handle like bluntness in your face. That's I, I'm too sensitive for yeah. that. And, and I kind of needed unconditional love. Um, and so I do try and coach people from that space and, and offer suggestions. Um, you know, a lot of times I do talk about my own experience, but also, you know, telling people that you're having your own experience. So like you were talking about earlier, that shame spiral, right? Like sometimes I could be like, Hey, don't sleep with that person anymore. And then my client goes and sleeps with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, crap, like, I don't want to tell Gina that like, I slept with that person after she told me not to. Right. And maybe they need to have that process. But when they come back to me, I would say like, okay, let's look at it. But also like, don't make yourself feel bad because the more you make yourself feel bad about it, the more you're going to want to do it again, (laughs) the more you're going to want to like act out on that. Um, so I'm really big on like trying to give ourselves a break. I I actually got some shit on TikTok a little while ago because someone asked me a Q they have like a Q and a box. Someone asked me, my partner wants to take a break. What do I do? And, you know, I made a video responding and I said, um, you know, take the break, but make sure that you are, um, being productive, right? Like make sure, you know, if you're going to do a no contact, do a no contact, um, and try and stick to it. Right. right? Like, does that mean not sleeping with them? Does that mean not texting them? Like how many days are you going to do? And I got a lot of shit. I actually didn't see the video, but I had people reaching out to me and telling me, and I'm, I'm assuming what the person said was that you shouldn't be taking breaks. Right. Um, and I 100%, I 100% agree. I, my partner and I have been together for almost two years. We've never taken a break, right? Ideal situation, yes, of course, that is a possibility. And I want everyone to know that's a possibility. However, I do believe in baby steps. And I do believe that sometimes you need to have that experience of taking a break, right? Like when I had a coach, she didn't tell like the circumstance of, hey, don't date someone you work with okay, cool. I'm not going to date someone I work with. Right. No, it's not always that easy. Like I had to really screw it up a little bit more. Right. And have that experience to really learn. So I do, you know, I will say, I will offer suggestions to things and say, yeah, maybe just so you know, it's really nice and possible for you to be in a relationship where you guys aren't constantly on and off. You might not be there that yet today, right? <sighs> You're in this space right now. Your partner's asking you to take a break. So how do you handle this situation directly? Right. Because you know what? I'm going to lose clients. Like the second that I don't start meeting people like where they're at, because people are going to do what they want to do. And um, they're going to be afraid to talk to me if um, if I'm giving them conditions, right? It's kind of like, if you're, if you're not there yet, if you're not ready to stop talking to this person, yeah. then like, I can't help you, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at, and there's something to be said about like pull, pulling like the Icarus, right? Like flying up to the sun and no, knowing like, oh, my dad was right. These wings are going to melt. Like, you know, doing something that you know is going to fuck everything up, but doing it anyway, there's like a huge, if you just write that off, like, oh, you know, that'll never happen again. And it's like, no, wait, I did that. 
and I own it and I, you know, and then, then I feel like it's the only way once you kind of like become okay with it, you know, and, and I, I feel like people don't, when they meet someone, it's like, we all put on our, like, uh, our best face, you know, we're not bringing who we really are just yet. Um, and, and I, you know, um, I've practiced this thing where I'm just really, really direct with everything in my life. You know, I'm sure there's some bullshit in there because I'm human, but whatever. But like, I try to be really, really upfront and really direct and it's a blessing and a curse, but at least I know I'm trying, I'm trying to be my authentic self, if you will. Right. Um, but I, people don't do that. People were like trained to like, I mean, obviously you want to like look good and like impress someone, but I don't know. I feel like the only way to get past the idea that you have to show up and impress someone, like, I feel like the only way to like, to get, to get out of that is just to like, accept who you are, know what you're good at, know what you're shitty at and love them both. Right. Like, no, nah, I'm not really good at that, but you know, I'm willing to do whatever. That's just how I feel. That's what I've learned. Just being a human being is to like, like you said, like kind of like celebrate your flaws as much as your, as much as your strengths and, and let them both work, work, work for you. Really. Um, a lot of people like, you know, I, I've cheated in relationships and I know that you've brought that up in other interviews that you've cheated in relationships. And it's like, it doesn't mean that we have like a scarlet letter and we have to get on the boat and go to the fucking Island and die. Like we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not do you know, people aren't doomed because they cheated. There's a reason that that happened and people, I don't know. It's like, instead of running from the mistakes or like not your clients, like not telling you, like, you're right. Like they should be totally comfortable with being like, I fucked up <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, and I feel like, you know, that's, that's a huge piece of growth, right? Is like fucking up and then owning it. Or am I just crazy? I yeah. Know. No, totally. Like, look, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to stay in like abusive relationship, right? Like there are like, exceptions, right? Like where, yes, you need to get out and protect yourself. But um, most of the time, like pain has been, has been a motivator for me. Pain has been the thing that really sort of shook me up and woke me up. And, um, and I, I just, I have to learn my own lessons. I've always been that way. And I'm sure it drives a lot of people crazy. Um, like you said, like, there's a lot of things that my grandma, I was raised by my grandmother. There's a lot of things that she said to me growing up where I was like, fuck that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And as I get older, like, yeah, she was right about a lot of things, yeah. but like, I had to have my own experience and, and learn those things myself. Yeah. And, and, and you, you know, went through everything you went through your own personal ringer, you know, right. With all these relationships that were less than healthy and like had the self-realization and, you know, pulled yourself up. And then you arrived at a place now where you're in a health, correct. Like you're in a healthy relationship. Um, if you could talk about like how you got in the healthy relationship, what it, what it sort of took to make that step to finally make it click. Yeah. So it was a long process. Um, you know, I'd say like the very, very first thing was that I learned how to be okay on my own. Um, I learned how to be okay on my own. I learned to enjoy my own company. Like I've gone through phases where I went to movies by myself. I went to concerts by myself. Um, so they're calling for advice right now, right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think that was my boyfriend's uh, iPad. Um, so that was one of the first steps was like, I want to make sure that when I date and when I pick someone, I'm picking someone because they enhance my life, not because I'm lonely and because I don't, I don't want to be alone or I'm avoiding something. Right. So that was one of the first things was, um, make sure I like myself, make sure I like my spending time with myself, make sure I'm self-supporting so that when I do pick someone, they're going to enhance my life. Um, then I sort of, uh, started dating. I had a dating plan, uh, which I, which I now <laughs> coach people through, um, and offer in my, my mindful dating course, basically it's suggestions. Everyone gets to de decide for themselves, but you know, something that I decided was I was not going to sleep with some this time around it took me a while, but by the, and everyone can do whatever they want to do, but I decided that. I was not going to sleep with someone until I got into a relationship with them. Um, I decided I want to be in a relationship. I was, you know, I was like 29. So at the time, so I was like ready for long-term commitment, uh, whatever that meant. And um, I wanted to make sure that I was seeing someone clearly. It wasn't because I was afraid I was going to scare someone away or scare someone away or that they wouldn't want to be with me if I slept with them. I didn't sleep with them because I wanted to make sure that I really got to know the person because I've learned through my experience that even if you work with someone for two years, you don't know what being in a relationship with them is like until you're in a relationship with them. So, um, I, I had a dating plan and I was dating, I was dating a couple of different people, at least talking to a couple of different people. And I met my partner on a dating app and the things that I liked about my partner, um, you know, it's funny. I do think that, I think the conversation fell off at some point. I, I wasn't really sure he, he wasn't, to be honest with you, I, it would have been really easy for me to swipe left. He wasn't necessarily my type. Um, and I remember having a moment of being like, right or left, right or left. And I was like, you know what, <laughs> screw it. Like, right. Let's just see what happens. Right. That was sort of my attitude. Um, and he, it was very, I think it was like new year. So he's like, happy. How was your new year's and very light and polite. And I think it fell off and he actually messaged me like maybe a week later again and was like, let's, let's get a, let's go out to dinner. Let's whatever. So he asked me out on a date, right? That's like a big thing is like, if someone asks me to go to their house, if someone asks me to, um, even go get drinks, cause I don't drink. So I have to have that awkward conversation of like, <laughs> I don't drink. Um, I don't mind going to a bar, but just letting you know, like, I'm going to have a, you know, ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I had certain parameters for myself for my dating plan was I knew I was not going to, um, you know, go to someone's house. I was not going to let them cook for me on the first one, two, probably three dates, maybe three, but like not one or two. Um, because I wanted to be out in the world with someone and it, and it does sort of lend itself to, you know, getting physical or intimate sooner with someone when you are in a private space. So our first, he asked me out on our first date, he told me, you know, where to meet him, uh, what time and what day. And yeah. that was, that was literally like how simple it needed to be. Right. But a lot of people don't function that way. Right. right. <laughs> Um, 
but I knew that I needed that in someone. So we dated. Um, and eventually, you know, I had a conversation and I said, I'm not going to sleep with you unless we're in a relationship. And, um, and then we ended up being in a relationship and it was, it was sort of soon, you know, it was probably like maybe a <laughs> time span or something like that. So I definitely had a moment of like, this guy could totally like peace out right now. Right? right. Like that was a possibility, but, um, that didn't happen. And it's almost been two years that we've been together. Um, you know, what I was going to say was I, I, I try and own my anxious attachment, right? Like I, I think it, we had been in a relationship for maybe two months where I was like, Hey, and I wasn't, I wasn't into coaching yet. So I had to have this conversation of like, Hey, just letting you know, like, um, I've had a coach and you know, I, I sort of have a certain way that I, you know, go about dating. And I had that conversation with him. And so, and talking about like, I have an anxious attachment style. I have a history of like relationships not going well. And I had to really be like open and honest about that and own that. Yeah. And, you know, this relationship has gone like a lot more smooth. I've still had stuff come up, but I think because my boyfriend is securely attached, emotionally available, and he knows where I'm coming from and he sees how much work that I do in that area. Um, when those things happen, he is patient um, with me and willing to work through it with me. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, if had you not been honest with yourself, but then in turn with him, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. So it sort of speaks for itself in that way. And that's exactly what you sort of bring to the coaching is this honesty. Like, hey, I know what I'm talking about because I just fucking went through it myself. Um, and this is what I did. This is what I wouldn't do recommend. You can do it. But like, you know, so I think that's super, super powerful. And it kind of brings us into attachment theory because I think that's like, so I think that's like a game changer for me because just having a curiosity about um, relationships and people and how other people are sort of this way or that way. Like when I sort of learned about attachment theory, I'm like, wow, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? So I feel, <laughs> I feel like if you could do a little um, attachment theory for dummies for us, and then um, we can jump into some more um, explosive stuff with attachment theory, I think. Yeah. So what I love about attachment theory is, um, it's a theory, right? So it's been, I believe they started sort of studying in around like the sixties or seventies. So like considering like psychology, it's relatively new. Um, and what it has to do with is a, it's an idea, a theory that our attachment styles in our romantic lives uh, originate and are associated with our initial relationships with our caregivers. So there's a lot of different experiments that they did. And, and look, someone, there are probably psychologists out there who are like, no, that's a bunch of crap, whatever. <laughs> I think most of them probably agree, but my experience was the same as yours in that I read it and I was like, this makes sense. Right. So, um, the idea is that there is sort of a spectrum. I'll keep it sort of simple. Yeah, sure. The, 
like basic book that I think everyone should read is attached. It's like the most simple um, attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. It's the easiest way to sort of get into it and understand it. Um, so the anxious person is someone who tends to be preoccupied when they get in a relationship. Maybe there's that fantasy aspect of, I just met this person, but I can't stop thinking about them. Maybe I'm fantasizing about getting married, right? I'm constantly checking my phone to see if they're going to text me back. Um, and another characteristic is when conflict arises, they want to resolve it, which is good because um, they it's good to seek intimacy. However, they when their attachment system gets activated, they can't calm down until they feel like the problem has resolved, mm. which sort of depend like becomes dependent on the other person that they're with, right? If you're with a securely attached person, hey, that works out great because guess what? The secure person also wants to resolve conflict. You guys fix the situation, you move past it. Wow, well, that feels good. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you're not that lucky. So the other type is the avoidant attachment style. Um, have to be careful about not <laughs> villainizing the avoidance. Oh, we're gonna get it. We're um, gonna get into that for I sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the avoidant person is usually a person who really um, loves their autonomy. So they like to be single, but somehow they still get sort of pulled into relationships. Um, maybe they do. They genuinely are interested in people. They do want to get into a relationship, but the more intimacy that comes up, the more that they want to pull away. Uh, that is the person who, when conflict arises, they need to get away. They need some space for a second. When their attachment system gets activated, they shut down. So they are not always quick to want to resolve the conflict. Uh, and then there's the securely attached person who um, <laughs> wants to resolve conflict and they usually know how to go about it, right? They don't take things, uh, criticism too severely. They, um, they want to be close. They know how to be close a reasonable amount. They can be consistent. They don't feel like being in a relationship totally crushes their independence, right? And there's sort of things in between, like this is a spectrum, Attached talks about it really simply. There is a fearful avoidant, or sometimes people use the word um, disorganized, which can mean you sort of experience anxious and avoidant, those insecure attachment styles, maybe in the same, in the relationship with one person, or maybe, you know, with one person, I feel anxious with another person, I feel more avoidant. Um, so I think a lot of people have that experience, even though the numbers supposedly say that that's like the rarest <laughs> kind. So we have three different kinds. We've got the anxious, uh, we've got the avoidant, um, and then we have the secure. So they kind of break down into just those simple three. Um, would you like to guess which one I am? <laughs> Don't pull any pun I, don't pull any punches here. Let's be let's be honest. <laughs> so I, I may have heard from a from a little oh. mutual, mutual bird uh 
that you took the quiz and yeah. and got avoidant. Ladies and gentlemen, that true? are we surprised? <laughs> yeah, it was like question two. It was like, Bing! like it already gave me my answer. Like wouldn't let me take the rest of the quiz and my computer started melting. Um, yeah, Which, no. What was the question? Do you remember? I don't remember. I was just kidding. It, like I got to the end of it, but like it, it, it felt like I knew I knew the answer by question two. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I am an avoidant. Um, here's the thing though, before we tie an anchor to my ankles and throw me overboard, um, which is totally fine. Go for it. But, um, before we do that, let me just say this. I have realized in the last couple of years, but really sort of made a decision. Oh God, here we go. Um, Somehow the cannons turned around on me on my own show, uh, <laughs> which is great. Um, I made a decision that I, even before I knew what attachment theory was, I mean, we're talking like two years ago, I sort of looked at myself in a situation where it was like, yikes, like you're, you're hurting people, but you don't mean to, you're sort of like upsetting things and people and the balance of things or whatever. And I like took myself out of the game completely, like shut it all off, which did two things, kept me from any sort of anything. Um, but it also like fed my attachment theory more like you're right. You know, it, it was that self-fulfilling sort of thing. I think, I don't know. I'm coming to you with this because you're the expert. So yeah, so that's that's me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I realized I realized what was happening before I even knew what it was, and I was like, you can't like to the point where I would like avoid talking to people, which is like maybe not the healthiest thing in the world. But like whenever I would start to feel interest you know, from a woman, I would be like, like I would and then like pull the rug out on myself and either wouldn't message back or I would just shut it off when I'm like, wait a minute. And now I'm at this place now where I'm like, so what's changed? <laughs> like you're still doing it, but now you're doing it because you're self-aware. So when I took that quiz and it was like avoided, I'm like, oh, duh. So yeah. That's, uh, that's me. And I think like we do villainize people because, you know, people like myself cause a lot of problems, but if you want, you talk about that a little bit. Like, I mean, we're not all evil. I mean, just maybe we, maybe we're like a little evil, but like, not like evil, evil. I don't know. Well, I think part of the problem with the avoidant is that a lot of times they don't think they're the problem. They think the anxious person is the problem. They start thinking, you're the one that's needy. You're the one that's clingy. You're the one that's trying to like get up on, on me. You're <laughs> the one that called me a thousand times, right? So, you know, kudos to you to be like, hey, something's off, right? Because as soon as you acknowledge that, right, regardless of what you do with that information, like you've already sort of, <laughs> woken up right <laughs> or become like conscious so i yeah. think that that's part of the villainizing of the avoidant is that a lot of times they're like kind of the last person also i have a question for you sure um fire away <laughs> i think 
a lot of times also we villainize the avoidant because we think that they're not in pain, right? The avoid, uh, the anxious person is the one that's like, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And the avoidant often comes off so cool and calm and collected and distant mm-hmm. that we think they're not in pain. So that's sort of my question for you was, um, you know, when you found yourself in those situations, were you in pain? In the situations in terms of like why I was avoiding people or why I was like kind of blowing everybody off or whatever, or, or you mean like in the realization moment, like, Oh shit. <laughs> when you were in relationships, when maybe, um, they were like, you're hurting me or, um, you know, being in relationship with somebody yeah. or, or mm-hmm. no. <laughs> so I, I was not in pain, which makes me sound even worse, but I realized that I didn't want to hurt someone purposely. Like I'm not, I'm not like, uh, I might be like an avoidant and I might be like really difficult to like date. I mean, I would not want to date me if I were not me, um, whatever. But, um, it doesn't mean that I'm, a. uh, a fucking American psycho. You know what I mean? I'm not a sociopath or I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to hurt her <laughs> or whatever, whatever. It's, it wasn't like that. I, I did. I felt insane empathy. Like, man, like that's, you know, and then to be honest with you, there was a moment where I had a conversation with a friend and like, so what are you going to do? Just like hold up in the, I'm like, well, it's a pandemic. So, so it kind of worked in my favor. But then as time went on, they're like, Dustin, you can't, um, you can't just like bottle yourself away or whatever. And then at your own peril, because you're afraid of hurting, like, and so there was this other sort of narrative that presented itself. Like that's just who you are and you need to be careful, not shut off. But now I'm like stuck in shut off mode. Like I've, I've tried to like, you know, lift the switch up. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) And so, and, and what's crazy is like, you know, yeah, I do like being single and I do like, you know, but I also, um, I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like as more time goes on, the older I get, it just becomes easier to, to be avoidant, which is one of those things, I guess. I don't know. Again, I'm defaulting back to you and your expert opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I, God, that just something you said just like so resonated because I feel like I've been in relationships with people where they have that empathy and it's that sort of like, I can't give you what you want, right? I've had a lot of a, a lot of avoidant people right. tell me that. Like I can't give you the reassurance that you want or the intimacy that you want, right? Um so I think what we need to understand is that anxious and avoidant are both insecure attachment styles, right? Mm-hmm. They sort of equally like have work to do. Um, and also, you know, there's nothing wrong with like wanting to be single, right? I think we all sort of have to come to this sort of conclusion of what do I want? It's okay to, to live a life of being single. Most of my family members are single. My mom, well, my mom finally has a boyfriend, but she was single for years. My dad has never been remarried. My Evan, I have two aunts who never got married. So it's okay to live that life, right? Um, I sort of tend to find people who want to be in relationships because I'm that way (laughs) and I'm anxiously attached. So I tend to, um, you know, work with people in that realm, but of course, like there's people 
all over that. So there's no, there's no pressure to like be in a relationship. If you don't want to be in a relationship, I think it's sort of full disclosure. You know what I mean? Um, if you're an avoidant and you're honest with someone and you're like, Hey, look, I'm, I don't think I want to be in a relationship. I like hanging out with you. I like to spend time with you, but I, I'm not there. Then the ball is in their court, right? Oh, they hate that me, though. They hate that. <laughs> but I mean, they hate it, but guess what? You were honest and there's something in that person. If they think, oh, I'm going to continue to pursue this person or I'm going to try and be okay with something I'm not okay with, that's their responsibility. Right. Um, and I've been that person, right? I'll get my eyes set on someone and I'm like, I want that person. I don't care. I'm going to get that person. And guess what? It never ends up the way I want it to because, you know, that person didn't want it the same way I wanted it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that speaks to a whole other thing too, is that like people, a lot of times in, in my personal experience, it's that women always think and then execute on trying to change who I am. So we always have this talk like I told because I've I've done exactly that's why I said they hate that. Because I've done that. I'm like, even if I'm just like sleeping with someone, I'm like, hey, this is just sex. I want to make sure this is okay with the like, I'm very, very straightforward. Cause one, it's it's a turn on to be that honest. And like for them to hear that, it's just a turn on for me. And two, like I think and like I said before, like I'm very direct in all of my conversations. It's like it's the most that I mean, I've gotten in trouble so many times. I've gotten in trouble more for telling the truth than I have for lying, which is a thing. Um, maybe that's the name of my my book when I <laughs> my autobiography. Um, but like I feel like in a world that like celebrates the lying and the fake Ferraris and the whatever, like telling the truth is like the most like rebellious thing you could do. And I love a good rebellion, right? Like, you know, whatever. Um, and so for me, I would always tell the truth up front. Not, I'm not in it for this, but then it would come to this thing where it's like six months later, a year later, we're screaming in the driveway about <laughs> what's going on and why, why are you like this? And I'm like, no, you need to go. I mean, I've been to the point where it's like, you need to go be with this other guy because he makes you happy. I am not. And they're like, and the more that I try to push them away, the more they try to like change me. And so one I feel like you have something to say to that. And two, um, from there, you can kind of talk about how this is like, this is a mind blower too, about how the uh, avoidant theory, the avoidant category sort of attracts the anxious category and vice versa. Yes. So that is exactly where I was going for is like those dynamics. It's usually someone is avoidant and someone is anxious. That is like, you know, in the book attached, they call it the anxious avoidant trap, which it can feel like a trap because you, sometimes you want to get out. Sometimes you don't want to get out. Sometimes you want to get out and you can't get out. Um, and I, um, lots of thoughts. <laughs> let me try and let me try and get my thoughts together. Yeah. I mean, um, take I just your time. So, I just so relate. It's funny because we're sort of the opposite. We're like yeah. the, we're the people that are in a, the relationship, like even, the, you know, you and I obviously not in a relationship, right. we're just getting to know each other. But you know, what's weird is like, this is so meta, but like <laughs> if we were, 
that would be us. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I already know yeah. because just of like what you're telling me. I'm sure you do. Like that's like, why I was like, okay, we're headed towards this attachment piece. I wonder how this is going to go. Yeah, because I a lot of the people I date are you. Right. Are very very similar, have those same characteristics. Right. Um so um I've been meaning to make a video about this. I have a lot of people coming to me with anxious attachment and they, they're, they, they can't, they can't pinpoint this thing. And this is kind of the key that I got to is that if I really want to be in a relationship, if I want to be married, if I want to have kids, which I do, um, I have to pick someone that wants those things and that is going to give me those things. So part of a big problem of attach of anxious attachment that people don't address or aren't there yet is that it's a big part of like the person you pick. It's not always about like, I have crazy chemistry with this person. Yeah. Our sex is off the wall. Sometimes it really comes down to um, that me and this person don't fight. You know what I mean? Like my boyfriend and I, we love each other. We can be really romantic and lovey, but sometimes it's not that intensity. Sometimes it's, it's bland almost. Right. And I think that I, that's part of intimacy. That's part of long-term commitment is sometimes it's not the fighting in the street, right? It's like (laughs) going to bed at 9 PM. And I think, um, like, I love that you were honest, right? Because that is kind of, that is kind of their thing. You know, I'll be a little bit in their face and be like, if this person told you they did not want to be in a relationship, they were not going to want to be married and you spent six months and you're mad about it now, that's on you. Right. That's not on them because you tried to convince yourself that you were okay with something when you weren't. Um, you're trying to change someone, right? That's another really big thing. I've tried to do it so many times. It doesn't work. I've chosen my partner to be with this person because I don't need him to be drastically different than how he is every single day. Right. Yeah. Sometimes he does things that annoy me and he's not perfect, but I'm not constantly like, can you please call me? Can you please make plans with me? Can you please like, you know, constantly being like, can you please be different than who you right. are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so two things, one, one, what you said about there, there's, there is that sort of like almost addicting thing that happens between an avoidant and an anxious person. It's like this high, right? That it, yeah, it's not good. And it's like toxic or whatever, but you're right. Like the sex is fucking crazy or, you know, you guys like have a good night. Like, you know, you're, you're sort of vibing on the same, you're laughing about the same stuff, whatever. But underneath that, there's like this like addicting. And I don't think most people catch this. There's this addicting thing that powers the laughter of the conversation. There's this addicting thing that like, it is the power source for the fucking wild ass sex. And that is like this bizarre sort of, we know this is wrong, but it feels indescribably great connection between these two people. And it's in a look, it's in, you know, passing someone in a certain way. I just, it's like this unspoken thing. And like, once you feel that with someone else, it's like really hard. Whereas you're like, well, I should be listening to my dating coach 
and going out with Simon or whatever. But Sam, like you're, you know, it's like you can't, you almost like can't say no. Your your logic has to overpower your emotion, and that is like almost impossible. You have to make good decisions. It's like pizza or celery. You know what I mean? It's like, it's Saturday night, man. I'm not eating fucking celery or whatever, you know, whatever analogy you want to make, but it's like really, really tough. And again, down the line, when you try to have children or you try to like, whatever you do something more serious than just like laugh or, or like have sex or like whatever you, you run into that wall and there you are like, you, you know, you're not going to have kids or whatever with this person. And, and so that's, I think that is like chemistry's little trick, right? It's like, it's little like a wink, you know, like you're going to be really attracted to this person. He's really bad for you. Good luck, you know? And I think that's like a huge dynamic, at least like for me in this conversation, it's like, yo, I'm on the, I'm on the, like, Apparently I'm the, I'm the destructor. Like I'm on the, I'm honest. Sure. But it doesn't mean that I, I, like, I feel myself sometimes when I'm speaking to people, to women and there's like some flirting or whatever, like I'll feel my, I'll hear my internal monologue say like, say this, then she'll ask for your number or whatever it is. And normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't even hear that voice. I would just act. And then the voice would be like, Hey, good job. Like, and now I sound like a true sociopath, which is fine. Um, but now this voice, since I've cut myself off from all human contact and started a dating and sex show makes no sense. But now I hear that voice and I'm like, shut up, go away. <laughs> I'm trying to be better, but it's, that's who I am. So it's like, uh, it's like, again, I'm having that struggle. Like I'm trying to eat more celery personally, you know? So like try to get away from, from that. And it's really fucking hard, you know, which is why someone like you who has a deep understanding of that, you know, um, I, I has like a, a game plan for that. That was like such a great analogy. <laughs> um, no, that was just like you described it. I forgot I was going to give you a sort of like very uh, literate defi definition of something and maybe I still will. But just the way you described it is like, yeah, this underlying thing that like you only know if you experience it um, between two people. And yeah, I think I think it is chemistry, right? But I think that if you have a history of toxic relationships, things not working out, um, unhealthiness as you know uh at some point we do have to get to that point and say um that's not healthy for me I do I want to you can still be happy right you can still be happy with someone who is secure and you can still be happy with celery right <laughs> <laughs> you can get happy with celery but like <laughs> you've got to stop eating the other thing because if you like, yeah. if you're trying to eat both of them, yeah, of course the other thing is going to taste better, but like the less you allow yourself to eat pizza or whatever it was, like, <laughs> the more you can enjoy celery. You'll be like, wow, Hey, I feel great. Like yeah. I feel lighter. I feel like I can work out more because I'm not like heavy from eating all this pizza. Right. Um, that was a great analogy. Uh, <laughs> I will, I do want to tell you the sort of two incarnations of like the anxious and the avoidant. 
Yeah. Obviously, when it comes down to it, I really do think it has to do with familial things, right? It's familiar. Maybe it has to do with really deep-rooted abandonment. I've been in a lot of therapy. So, like, you know, I do think that there is something that has manifested in my romantic relationships because um, I had some really early abandonment issues with my my mom, my, my, my mother and my <laughs> father. Um, you can tell I'm getting nervous talking about it. Um, That's okay. But I'll tell you... Um, so in, there's another book that I always tell people to read, which is facing love addiction by Pia Melody. And she says that, um, the uncon, the avoidant and the anxious are attracted to each other because they both have unconscious and conscious fears. So the anxious person, me, I have a conscious fear of abandonment. I know I'm aware that I'm afraid you're going to leave me. But unconsciously, I have a fear of intimacy, which is why I pick you, because I know that you're not really going to give me intimacy. Um, Whereas the avoidant person has a conscious fear of intimacy. You will tell me, hey, I can't give you intimacy, but you have an unconscious fear of abandonment, which is why when someone gets tired of dealing with you and leaves, you might go after them and maybe even possibly be like, let's try and make this work or I'm going to be different, right? Um, the other manifestation of that is an attached. They say that, um, the anxious person believes about themselves that they're going to be too much. And so they pick someone who says, yeah, you're too much. Um, where the avoidant person believes, uh, if I get into a relationship, that person is going to suffocate me. They're going to need too much from me. So they pick someone who does that. They pick the uh, the attractive, anxious person who eventually, yeah, suffocates them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it happens. And it's like, I knew it. And then you're like, you agree with yourself. And then you move on to the next fucking disaster because you were right. So, yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a conscious choice, right? Like, it, it is so hard because it, there is this thing. It's And, and we've kind of deemed it chemistry but it almost feels deeper than chemistry almost feels like a magic like black magic fucking spell thing and it's like fuck what is that i have to deal with that now (laughs) like you know and and that usually draws you to somebody not everybody has it Uh, and i would argue that some unhealthy you know uh, avoidant anxious relationships have it more than others um but it's just that thing man and it's like it's on a level that I'm not sure it feels like humans just don't comprehend it quite yet. And when you find it, you're, you will fit, you will act like a fucking idiot. Right. But, but you always revert back to your sort of attachment style, which is why I think it's so fascinating. And it's sort of like, it sort of shined a light for me personally, because I think I've so much other stuff going like for real, I need like, I need at least like three therapists and a dating coach and, but I'm not ready for any of that. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I think my therapist currently probably like quit or something or like just not answering my emails or whatever. Right. Like, so when your therapist is ghosting you, you know that you have some serious issues. Um, but no, I, I feel like, um, when it boils down to it, it's that sort of, you're, you're almost fighting against nature. Like the deck is almost stacked against you. So to get what you want, you've really got to have 
like lock, you know, you have to really lock onto your target, you know, um, like you have. And um, I just, it's, that's, that's the barrier. That's the hard part. I feel like for everybody. And also too, and we can close after this. um, I think, you know, I've talked about this before, but it's this thing where it's like, you know, back in the day, there wasn't dating apps. There wasn't whatever. You would like meet Leroy or whoever um, from, <laughs> from um, or Larry or I don't know. Um, you would meet someone that was like a friend of your boyfriend's or your friend of your friend's boyfriend's friend's uncle's niece, whatever. And then you'd go bowling and then. You know, but you just, it was a stranger, right? That's how people met at the dance, at the whatever, wherever, or the fucking corn husker, whatever, <laughs> anywhere, normal places, the grocery store, bars, bars, lots of bars. You would meet somebody that knew your friends and that's how you would find your life partner. And, you know, three, six, nine, you know, months, couple of years down the road, you're like, why the fuck is he hammered? Like, honking in the neighbor's yard or whatever the problem is right because he's a stranger like um you didn't really meet that person and and there's this like romantic idea of like i'm gonna fall down when i ice skate and you're gonna roll up and pick me up and we're gonna like and that's it right and there's this like it's a really heavy idea in our society in our culture so that that like sort of pushes away all logic when it comes to picking a partner. We spend more time, I think, even with the dating apps now, we spend more time like trying to figure out like, will I fit in these jeans? Are they gonna, is this a good wardrobe choice? There's paint on them. I don't know. Why would I pay that much? Like we, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we think about buying a car or um, a streaming service more than we do about a partner. And I feel like that has not changed. We're all still like told or like programmed to believe that it's going to be the ice skating rink. So if you could offer some hope and some logic to these people that are listening to this, because I feel like you are more than qualified, but also like you've been through it. So like help, help them. Yeah. Let me just say, I so relate, like I so relate. Um, and, and you know, what's important, like you said, I, I do think that I'm different than other people. I, I do think that, um, you know, I do believe that my boyfriend is securely attached just from getting to know him. I really don't think he's had situations where, um, I don't think he's been in the same sort of toxic, chaotic, unhealthy relationships that I've been in, at least from what he's told me. So I do think that, you know, there sort of are securely attached people sort of like moving around the world where, um, yeah, they experience heartbreak, right? That's just part of like human nature, but sort of not to like the darkness or like extent that me and maybe you or other people have like experienced. So I do want to say like my suggestions, my advice doesn't always work for everybody. Sure. My, my suggestions and advice work for people that have like seen the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do think that you get to a certain point where you have to like tire yourself out. You have to like hit bottom and be like, I can't do this anymore. Like I've got to do something differently. Um, and I do, like I said, I do think there's, there's, 
something to be said about being alone for a while. I also like didn't date for a while. And in that time, I had a really similar experience to what you were talking about, about like this sort of inner monologue and like third person watching myself and being like, oh, I'm wanting to flirt or I'm wanting to um, give my number to this person, right? And sort of like watching my own sort of um, the way that I move around the world, really creating awareness around that. And when I did start dating people, I do really have to be careful of what you were talking about, that really intense thing. Like that used to go for that. I would be like, if I am not like high as a kite after talking to this person, then I don't want him, right? Like I wanted romance. I wanted movie. I wanted, um, like I said, to feel high, right? Endorphins, whatever the heck is happening in my body. And I did that for a long time, but those people never worked out for me. In fact, they were sort of the opposite of working out. It was like really toxic and chaotic and I wasn't happy at all. Um, And so it was a priority for me when I was dating to, is this person consistent? Does this person call me when they say they're going to call? Do they show up on time or if they're going to be late? Do they communicate that to me? Right. Um, I used to feel really confused with people that I felt really like a lot of chemistry or intensity with because a lot of times those people were inconsistent. And I think maybe that's like kind of the missing piece is like supposedly with anxious attachment, your caregiver was inconsistent. And I relate to that. I do think that my early caregivers were inconsistent. So I pick people that are inconsistent because it's familiar to me and something happens in my body, in my brain, whatever. Um, that tells me like, I have to get this person. I want this person. So, you know, I don't have that with my partner and I, and I sort of made sure that I didn't have that. I am attracted to my partner. I enjoy his company. We spend a lot of time together. We have fun, but you know, I wasn't like, um, calling my mom and being like, I just met the man I'm going to marry, which I did with some, with a, with a different ex. Um, and I, you just brought this story up for me and I want to share it. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend and I had been together for about a year and I just moved in with him. Uh, this was a year ago and I was still working in a restaurant and one of, I was, I, I started a new job and when you start in a restaurant, they have someone train you. Right. And there was a guy there who reminded me a lot of my ex, like now I just, I can pick some, I could pick someone out on an app. Like I literally could look at a picture of someone and be like, that person and I would have crazy chemistry. Stay away from that person. Uh-uh. Right? That person's probably an avoidant. I can see it a mile yep. away now. And whereas I used to be like, I'm in love with this person. Now I have to tell myself, not going to happen. I need to stay away from that person. I need to be careful. I need to watch myself. So I had like, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't end up staying at that job, but I would say there was probably like a week, maybe two weeks where I found myself um, even in a relationship, looking at the looking at hot schedules app to see if that person was going to work that night, hoping that maybe that person would would um, would be my trainer, right? Um, being on the street, I remember one night I was on the street and he was like a, a block away, walking on the street, and there was part of me that was like, "Crap, where's he going?" Like, uh. just this tr- like something, this yeah. light switch turns on around that person. Anyway, 
Um, I had to in that moment because I am a new person. I've chosen to be with the person I'm with. I want to be with that person, with the person I'm with. He makes me happy. I had to really be aware and be like, don't go there, Gina. Like that is not the person that is, I can already tell that person. He's probably an alcoholic, right? Like I feel a certain way with alcoholic people and it feels a lot like love or intensity or fireworks, but really that's my sign to stay away from that person because it's not going to work out. So, you know, that past, I haven't seen that person in a year. I never even think about them, but you know, just cause we were having that conversation, it yeah. came up and I really, um, and, and maybe this is, this goes into my fear of intimacy, right? Because <sighs> guess what? Being in an intimate relationship with someone for two years, it's, we're coming up on two years and I'm a little superstitious about the two year mark and we're going through some stuff right now, to be honest with you. Right. Um, so intimacy for me is hard. I have an unconscious fear of intimacy. Um, and I've picked someone that gives me intimacy. And so I have to work through that stuff every day in my relationship. Yeah. And so a couple things. One, do you ever feel, or did you early on feel like when you let somebody, when you felt that like, oh shit, what's that lurking in the darkness, right? Uh, like when you meet someone and then you're like, no, stay away, stay away. And then you leave that situation. Do you, did you feel like, like a voice or like regret or like, like a feeling of like, wow, maybe I should have just, now I'll never know what could have happened or whatever. Or is it more of like, no, you know, what's going to happen. So run faster sort of thing. Yeah. You know, this time around, I, I think I was, I think I had enough sort of awareness um, to let it be. Part of what I do to trick myself is to not take action. Um, I, you know, don't invite this person to hang out after work. I don't ask this person for their phone number. I don't follow this person on social media. Um, those are things that I would have done in the past that sort of opened the gates to that, right? And, and strangely enough, maybe because they're avoiding, <laughs> when I don't take action, mm. they don't really pursue either. You know what I mean? Like that person didn't ask me out on a date. That person didn't follow me on social media. Um, I think actually they were in a relationship too. So we were two people, we were in our own relationships at that, at that time. Right. So a lot of times I've noticed, um, and this, I have a whole other, you know, when to pursue, <laughs> when to not be pursued in my mindful dating course. But right. you know, for me, because I tend to overly pursue when I get involved with those people, probably much like the girls that you've dated. Um, I sort of take my hands off the steering wheel, which is why I, why it was a green flag for me that my partner gave me a time, a restaurant, a date, you know, yeah. because a lot of times I'm the person that's pursuing someone or initiating and trying to get them to meet me somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> That's always like something it's like when, when you're with someone and you can let go, it does feel really great. Right. Like I would imagine. Um, but for an avoidant, you're just kind of like, fuck it. <laughs> you're kind of like letting go all the time. But I do, I do find for me when I'm, when I'm in situations and I have like a no, um, uh, I have like a no tolerance policy currently, like with myself. It's not something where I'm like, okay, like I'm like whipping myself with a ruler in the mirror or anything weird like that. But like, um, I'm like, 
when I feel myself sort of like, are you flirting right now? Are you manipulating? What are you doing? Like, you're whatever. And like, I do feel, and I, and I make myself pull back. I do feel like a sense of regret. There's been numerous times, even like, especially lately, um, after being like locked up for the last year and a half. And I'm like, you know, kind of like going out a little bit safely and whatever, but I find myself in these situations. And the second, even like on dating apps, when they're like, so yeah, we're going to get together. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't. I like, you know, like, and it's like, why am I even on a dating app? So I, I feel that <laughs> um, immense sense of regret. But then I also feel like, yo, dude, you're doing it. And it's like, okay, so it's this nature versus I'm constantly battling Frankenstein inside, Dracula, whatever the hell. And and so that's why I asked you, like, if you had felt from your opposite side of the mirror, you know, a sense of regret or whatever. But it sounds like you, like, have gotten to a place where you decided, yeah, okay, it's going to feel like that and I'm going to do this. So I think that's, and I did see you, you did have like a TikTok or a reels or something where it was like you in the shower. And it was like, when you, I love that. I mean, like basically it was you, you can explain it. It's your, it's your TikTok. Yeah. Basically I, I had said like, when you work on your anxious attachment and you've picked someone that's securely attached and now you're experiencing <laughs> avoidant tendencies, um, which, which happens to me. So I definitely, I've, you know, there's been a couple of times where my partner and I sort of get into some big, bigger conflict than what we're used to. And yeah, I like, I think this happened yesterday. We got in a little, a little fight and, um, I took the dog downstairs, which is like, which is a healthier version, right? I'm not like running away and shutting off my phone, right? Um, <laughs> which is progress, but I never would have done that before. I was in a relationship where people were leaving me alone in my apartment. Right. But now I'm the person that's like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to get, I'm going to go to bed angry and not talk to you. And, and that, that I'm not used to that. I'm usually the one that's like, I talk to me, please. Like, can we please talk about this? And now I'm the one that's like, I'm mad. I'm not speaking to you right now. I'm not going to say anything. And maybe part of that is because I like, I don't want to say anything that I'm going to regret. Right. Right. (laughs) Sometimes in my head, I want to be like, let's just break up. Let's just break up. Um, But I don't say that out loud because I don't actually want that. And I think I need to be really careful about, you know, acting out on that, like protest behavior. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, so like being, how much of a mind fuck is that? Like you're, <laughs> you're an anxious who found a secure and then now for whatever loop of a reason, you find yourself being avoidant and then catching yourself. Like that's, first of all, that's what made the TikTok so great. And I saw it just before we went into the interview and I'm like, I'm bringing it up at the end. And, um, and the look on your face in it is spot on. So acting kudos, like perfect. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's gotta be a huge, like what the fuck for you? Yeah. Well, you know, kind of what, I really do think it has to do with the fear of intimacy. Like, you know, if I psychoanalyze myself, um, I don't know if you heard that, but we have a, we have a doorbell for the dog. Uh, So that was my dog ringing the doorbell. He usually does it around, around this time. Um, So he's very smart. Um, So really for me, like, I think it has to do with um, 
So I, I don't think I'm a full blown avoidant. I right. think I have avoidant tendencies, right? But really what I think it is, is my unconscious fear of intimacy. My partner and I are talking about getting married and I'm, I'm fucking terrified. Like the closer <laughs> we get to it, the more scared I get. Um, yeah. My mom and dad were never married. I was always told growing up, like, don't get married. It ruins your life, right? Like don't have kids. It ruins your life. So I sort of have a different experience from everyone. I know a lot of people are really pressured. Like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? I'm My family's opposite. They're right. like, you got to go make money, be famous, have a career. So I sort of have this opposite experience where no one I knew was married. I didn't know anyone that was married for 30 years. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not even a child of divorce because my parents were never even together. Right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bastard in the true sense of like, same here, same married. here, same here. <laughs> um, so, so it would make a lot of sense that I would be afraid. Right. Whereas my partner, you know, what's funny is my partner's parent, my partner is actually, um, Iranian and his mother and father were in arranged marriage and they have been married for, I mean, at least 30 years, wow. 32 years. And he is not, at least, maybe he's scared, but I really don't believe he is. He is not the least scared of being married because why would he be right? Like he doesn't have any bad experiences. His parents have been together. Um, you know, it, it seems like he has a really good relationship with his, with his parents, his family. So it just manifests differently, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Gina Lovato, the love addict coach. Thank you so much for being here. Where can um, everyone in the audience find you to, to add you and give you money and have, have, them, <laughs> have them, you save their, their uh, educate them and save their relationships. So I am, <laughs> the love addict coach on TikTok and Instagram. My website is uh, www.theloveaddict.online. And I have YouTube. I believe I'm the love addict coach on YouTube as well. I'm still working on my YouTube. I have one episode of a podcast, so I'm trying to also hop on the podcast. Train. Um, I just tell my story basically on a podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically where you can find me and, um, I do one-on-one, -on -one, I do ongoing coaches, I do classes. I, I might be done with classes for the rest of the year. We'll, I'll, we'll see about that. Um, yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is like insanely profound and I can't wait to see what you do next. I can't, I just have a good, like my intuition is always spot on about people. So I feel like you have like some crazy brightness in your future. And I, I truly like, thank you so much for being here and like putting up with my fucking nonsense this whole time and like, you know, dropping truth bombs and like, you know, just being you. So I, I truly appreciate it. I think that you are doing incredible work and that whatever's coming in the future, I didn't ask because I'll ask you back and then you can tell me no or whatever. Um, but I would love to have you back just to check up on you and, and see where you're at. But I think you're doing some awesome stuff and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I would love to come back and thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Big thanks to Gina Lovato for being on the show and putting up with my nonsense, uh, for an entire episode, uh, hugely appreciated, valuable episode, super cool stuff. If you guys want more super cool stuff and you're in the mood to show some love, 
If you're listening to this on platforms like Apple and Spotify, you could subscribe to the show. Did you know that? You could do it. You could subscribe to the show. You could even leave a review. It would be mind-blowing to me if you would do that. But hey, only if you want to. If you're watching this on YouTube, hey, what's up? How you doing? You can subscribe on YouTube. You can like the video on YouTube. You could leave a comment. And as always, you can... 100% drop me a DM on Instagram. You could drop me a DM on Twitter. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. The party continues next week. Click subscribe and let's make this a regular thing. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SexPartyFM. Follow Dustin at Dustin Ribka.